And this portion of WGTD's morning show is being devoted to one of the great cultural gems of the state of Wisconsin, and for that matter, the upper Midwest. I'm talking about the American Players Theater in Spring Green. And my father and his wife have attended performances of the APT nearly every summer for as long as I can remember. And uh, my wife and I are looking forward to uh, finally getting over to Spring Green uh, later this summer to take in uh, one of the performances of this fine, fine theater company. And the reason we wanted to make sure to talk about American Players Theater on the morning show is because this is their 40th anniversary or their 40th summer of performances uh, in their lovely venue uh, just outside of Spring Green. And I'm very, very honored indeed to have with me on the phone Brenda DeVito, who I believe is celebrating a quarter century of, of activity with American Players Theatre. She is now their artistic uh, manager she uh, or artistic director. She joined them as company manager uh, 25 years ago and has uh, had a major hand in much of what has gone on there in the exciting history of this uh, wonderful company, which performs between June and November, and over 100,000 people uh, make their way to Spring Green each and every summer and early fall to take in uh, one or more of their uh, performances. And uh, so we're going to be learning a little bit about the history of American Players Theater and uh, about their present and future as well. And Brenda DeVita, we welcome you to the morning show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and that was a very nice introduction. Thank you. Yes, you must come over. If you don't come over, I'm going to hang up and not do this interview. <laughs> no, I crossed my heart. Hope to die. As a matter of fact, I, one of the things that's it's kind of frustrating about living as far away as I do is uh, I do have actually certain commitments that take me on a semi-regular basis uh, both to Dubuque and to Northeast Iowa. And so it's yeah. not that I don't uh, come close to Spring Green, <laughs> and I know I've, I've come close enough to, to realize that it's a gorgeous part of the state and, uh, and uh, a, a wonderful uh, place to do, do theater. We should probably explain for somebody who does not know anything about American Players Theater, uh, even before we talk about how the company is put together, just talking about these two marvelous venues uh, in which you present your plays. Yes, thank you. Thank you for men mentioning the area. I think the area is really important to the to the theater's existence. I I I, I often say there's a lot of nice places to um, to see plays, but this is ex this is an extraordinary place to see a play. It's an extraordinary area, the Driftless area out here in um, Southwest Wisconsin. But I think that. <clears throat> The people who began this theater company, Randall Duke Kim and Annie Ocho Grosso and Chuck Bright, they looked throughout the whole Midwest for a site for a theater, and they looked at, after looking at like 43 different locations, including, I think, the Dells at one point up towards Minneapolis. They were looking in the Wisconsin area specifically and particularly, I think. They came on to Spring Green, and um, they this area, this gorgeous, if you've never traveled to this part of the state, it is quite specific in its beauty. And I think that the rolling green hills and the river over here, so they they – that they went down this, a hillside there, and they could speak Shakespeare from the bottom of the hill, and it could be heard at the top. So they had found their, like, natural bowl for the theater site, and it happens to be walking through some woods to get to it. So we've maintained that. We have 110 acres of woods, and we've maintained the woods um, as we've 
made um, picnic areas and, of course, parking areas and all the, all the amenities we need um, to, to do the theater. But we have up the hill an 1,100-seat outdoor amphitheater that is, you know, set under the very same stars that Shakespeare played under. And I think um, it's an extraordinary way to meet, to meet plays. And, and to also, it also adds a level, a level of kind of, I don't know, sacredness to something. I hate to, to get all ooey-wooey, but, um, but it, it, there's a sacredness to walking through nature, I think, that happens when you let yourself go and you, you make a plan to go see, do something as intentional as it is to come see a play at APT. Hmm. So you park your car, you have a picnic, you walk through the woods. By the time you get up the hill, you're with a thousand people um, kind of commuting to, to do something together. That's, it's extraordinary. And, and it, it, the first year I was here, uh, 25 years ago, I had never seen anything like it. And I, and my husband was acting here, and I sat in that audience, and I was like, what is this place? This is extraordinary. <laughs> um, and, and there's just a, I, I, we haven't left. I haven't, I've never, we haven't left since then. So, yeah, so it's a classical theater company. We don't just do the classics, meaning what most people think is Shakespeare. And we, our base, is, our core is classical theater. We do modern classics and more contemporary classics, which we consider to be our, our you know, great plays that are, are talking about something beyond the specific story of itself. No matter how specific that story is, it has something to say across the millennial about what is actually human um, inside that doesn't change as times change what actually is the the human existence and I think that sounds really heavy but but you know it's not it's not it's actually a beautiful and kind of um, safe and lighthearted way to, to look at the kind of the foibles of being a human being so we, we really center our plays around great plays that will that will have us ask some of those questions and, mm. and let us have some space and time to contemplate so yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, we do um we do nine we do well, we do nine plays in in repertory theater every summer. So people can come for a few days and see many plays. Um people come from all over the country and they'll come and see, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight plays sometimes at a time and um and then other people just come in and drive in and have an evening and picnic with friends and see a play and go home. So I kind of we kind of have a lot to offer. Mm, for sure. I know that the very first production that was mounted by American Players Theater in that outdoor amphitheater was Shakespeare's uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. And I can't yeah. think of a play that would be more ideal for an outdoor setting than A Midsummer Night's Dream. I wonder uh, has there been a tendency and maybe is there still a tendency to choose plays that, in a sense, belong in that setting in a very natural kind of way? I mean, plays that just feel right to be done outdoors? Or or do you feel like uh, when we look at the repertoire over the years, uh, has it become a, a theatrical stage in which, in a sense, anything goes and it's not necessarily uh, doing plays that in some ways might have been envisioned as being done in the open air? Yeah, I think that. <clears throat> excuse me. I think that yes, plays absolutely like uh, it's, it's fortuitous. Like we're doing Fences this summer, August Wilson's uh, classic, um, Fences. It's a masterpiece, and it's always you know it's very often done and most often done inside. Right? I don't know that I've ever seen it outside, but it takes yard it takes place in the yard, outside the house. Hmm. And there's something that every um, set designer and every director is chasing after in an indoor space when they're doing a play that's outdoors, trying to get that vastness, that sense of why is this play not in their kitchen or their living room? Why is it outdoors? And that, that sense of, of space and size and scope, that, that's what the outdoor arena actually affords plays that have massive themes and, and large ideas. And, 
and kind of a, an, a, an ephemeral nature to the, the core of what they're going after. So, yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream is brilliant and was absolutely written to be outdoors. All his plays were written right to be outdoors. And I think that, that the size and scope of those those plays, specifically Shakespeare, but also other you know other big works, there's just no better place than to see them outside. And and if you're doing works that have have crossed hundreds and sometimes thousands of years, um, there is something very um, the alchemy of of doing them inside of the scope of nature that kind of sets up this notion that they span across time. Right? That see, people have been listening to these stories for hundreds if not thousands of years and that kind of communion or connection or continuum is very is very hard to put your finger on but i do know that the that the sky and the tree and the moon and the stars and the sunsets and the birds and the they all help in aiding and making that story feel um feel authentic and i think that that's a real gift that was given to us when randy randy and annie um dropped this place down here, which is crazy because it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, and who knew anyone would come? I, I, they often say, you know, if you build it, they will come. Well, lots of things have been built and no one came. I think our motto is if you build it, you tend to it. You work very hard and you do very well, they will come. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's certainly been the case here. Although, uh, as I read, one of the best things on your website is uh, where you can click on the word history and uh, and get at least a capsule summary of of yes. these uh, four decades uh, of the American Players Theater in Spring Green. Uh, it is mentioned on that site that uh, there was a time uh, in the mid-1980s, so this would have been very early in the company's history, in the midst yes. of its first decade, where uh, it actually looked like it would be closing down due to, fin- due to financial difficulties. In some ways, from what we read there, it's almost as though that was the best thing that could have happened because it seems <laughs> as though that was a, a galvanizing force for those who cared about the company and did not want to see it go away. Isn't that funny? Um, adversity, we try to avoid it and avoid it and avoid it, and I guess we need to or we won't make it very far every day, but... That's exactly true. I mean, I think that we look at all the crucibles in the, in, in the time frame of our existence um, as a theater company, and in every case, it, it, it the cliche is there for a reason, is that that, that, that just doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. And I, I think that that is exactly what they experienced. They, they experienced a kind of harnessing of what everyone that was in the, in, the, in the incredible tenacity of the local community rallying around what was a, a particularly audacious dream but understanding the value of it and the kind of special effort. And, and, and I have to say this area is, I've lived in this town now for, for 25 years, and I've raised my children in, in the River Valley area, and, and it is an extraordinary community of people. And, and the larger, greater area of Wisconsin uh, around us into Madison and, and uh, Richland County, and uh, it just it's, it's extraordinary to me the kind of heart and soul of the Midwest. And I'm from Iowa, so when I moved back to the Midwest and, was grateful enough to land myself here that that kind of um that kind of like uh just bedrock belief that if you work really hard and you come together and you get over your differences that you can actually actually make something great happen and and move forward and i think that i've experienced that over and over and time and time again in this town not just with apt but but in the community so yeah it's, it's extraordinary i think that those people that started the company a lot of those people that came to our 40th anniversary party 
um, that had been here in those early days where they were asked to hold on to their paychecks mm-hmm. or maybe donate them back, you know, or volunteer or run a, you know, they did everything. They, I have something above my desk right now that says APT needs, it's a flyer that went around the area, APT needs $151,000 to open the 1984 season. You can write a check, you can call five friends, or you can call the hotline with a donation. I mean, it literally is, that lives above my desk as a point to say that, it took the efforts like that to keep this place alive. So the guardianship of this place is serious to me. Mm. Um, and I take it very seriously. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with uh, Brenda DeVita, who is the artistic director of the American Players Theater. And they are in the midst of their 40th summer of performances uh, uh, just outside of beautiful Spring Green, Wisconsin, uh, in in Southwest Wisconsin, and uh, it is uh, they are located on 110 acres of gorgeousness <laughs> of, of hills and 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 meadows, and uh, they have an outside amphitheater that seats more than a thousand people, as well as a, an indoor theater much smaller, uh, and during uh, between June and November. Uh, uh, an array of great plays are are performed, and people come from far and wide to experience theater in this uh, marvelous setting. I noticed from your current repertoire list that it, it appears that you have nine plays in the repertoire, and three of them are Shakespeare. Is that a typical balance for uh, APT's repertoire? Um, we try to do two to three Shakespeare's a year, and um, um, and I think that. And this summer we were doing Macbeth and um, Twelfth Night, and I feel like we always start our season. Our season, we always start our season planning, and we will always do Shakespeare. Um, it is, um, and then we're doing a play about Shakespeare. So yes, the Book of Will. So I feel like um, our, at the heart and soul of things, there's an old cliche that says if you can do Shakespeare well, you can do anything. I'm, I'm, I tend to, I tend to believe it because I've seen it happen time and time again, because it's hard to. Um, if you've seen Shakespeare done badly and you say, I, I don't like Shakespeare, I don't understand it, that's completely understandable and that's a, a valid um, a answer to something you didn't enjoy. But here our, our entire um, focus is on the responsibility we have to make you understand it. And the best of actors, the greatest actors will make you not in fact, the biggest compliment we get is that people walk up and say, "You changed all those words. Why did you change all those words? I understood everything they said." And I, and we didn't. We didn't change all those words. We just found actors who can facilitate and are are really, really committed and spent their artistic lives being great at at Shakespeare, trying to understand how to um, convey thoughts and how and the, and the you know the kind of rigor and tenacity it takes to be great at something that is, is very takes a lot of skill. And then they also are committed to like authentic acting. So it's it's amazing because Shakespeare teaches us so much about acting while you're acting. I mean, he is, you know, his um he teaches us how to be a great actor and he actually writes about actors in Hamlet, which I think is very very fun whenever we visit that play. I always think, well, he knew what he was talking about. Um I think that the center of our seasons start with Shakespeare every time and then we go out from there and create a nine play season. And eight of those plays will run in repertory, which means if you come on a it, that every show will close down, the set will be taken up, boxed up, put back in our storage unit, and the next set will be put out. And sometimes, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, and then again at eight o'clock at night. So um, 
there's a different play on the space every day and sometimes twice a day there's different two different plays so it's it's a quite an operation we have about 200 people that work with us and and it's it's a it's a big responsibility but it's a big operation to to change out plays and and actors are in more than one place so sometimes they'll have two shows in a day where they're playing completely different parts so it's a it's a whole different way of creating theater it 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 affords us a community just built right into the process of working on what we do because you don't just come in, do a play, get done with it, and leave. You come in and you do two plays at once or three plays, sometimes four plays, and you are amidst of you know 35 other, 35 to 40 other actors that are doing exactly the same thing, and they're on top of each other and they're all here for five months. So they become, along with our production staff and our crew, um, and our stage manager staff, and become a community every summer, and it's. It's quite, it's quite remarkable, you know. It's quite a remarkable event to come in and put those things together, get to know each other and support each other and, and live together and commit to doing great work together. There's a, it's a real, um, real blessing of a, of, a, of a community that happens. By the way, what is this thing called the core company? When we go on the page where we see all of the photos of, of all of the actors who are part of uh, of a given season, some of them, uh, including your husband Jim Devita, uh, have beneath their name the words "core company." And my understanding is that you were instrumental in the creation of this core company uh, that is a very important part of APT. Tell us more about that. Oh, thank you. Um, I, 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 I had got the great uh, honor of working with David Frank, my predecessor and my mentor, and he um, he. We were talking when we first came here, Jim and I, there had been a couple actors. David had just come in after Randall had left. David Frank was the successor, his successor, and he had been handed a kind of, you know, it was a, it was a struggling time. It was still very, you know, very tenuous, the, the financial circumstances of APT at the time. And he came in and he had some actors that stayed on after Randall left and um, and some uh, Lee Ernst, uh, Sarah Day, who's still with us to this day, um, Jonathan Smoots, Paul Benson were people who stayed here when David came in the early 90s, and they were kind of artistic holdover associates. They were kind of the center of what was he could count on them for understanding the work and the space, and to be, um, you know, understand how this machine works. and And they stayed. and And um, then my husband came into that in '95 as uh, playing Romeo in 1995, and he um, he was. We were friends with Lee, with Sandy and Lee Ernst, um, and they had asked us, me to come along and be the company manager because they, they lost their company manager. So when Jimmy got here and I got here, there was, a, there was a semblance of a group of artists that were kind of committed because it's only six months a year. It's not a year-long commitment, so you would go away and do other things. It's hard to understand or define what someone's commitment to a, a seasonal gig would be. So, so we started to really talk about it because Jimmy stepped on that stage and doing Romeo and he came home and he'd worked everywhere around the world and he said I've never worked for an audience like this and everyone talks about the audiences here but he said I've never ever been listened to like that and they lean in and make you so much better than you are going to be because they're 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 committed they're here they made this trek they came up this hill they brought their rain gear and their bug spray and they're here to listen and to take part and so he was hooked and we I, we had a lot of conversations this first couple of years. Um, you know, he's asked to come back the next year before there was an actual commitment to a company. And I started to talk with David Frank, and I started to say, you, you know, you're interested in keeping someone like 
like Jimmy here, and uh, I don't know why David has it. He was so gracious to be listening to me. I, he knew I, I had no right to open my mouth, <laughs> but he did. And um, I started to speak with him a lot about, you know, we have a lot of friends that are great actors that if they just knew about this place, they would come. I mean, that, that's the thing about being an actor. There's just way too many actors and not enough work. And um, and so if you know and you can go out and find those kind of needles in a haystack that would be interested in working this hard on plays kind of as an ensemble, if you could just find those people and match them up, we could make something great, you know, as far as commitment and be able to build our seasons on those on those company members. And David was, you know, keen to that. He had already started that idea, that notion, and that had been here since Randall's time. He had a company. But companies are, are disappearing across the country, um, acting companies. It's much uh, more common to go to New York and hire your actors, go to other cities. There's so many concentrated areas to find whatever it is you need. It's hard to imagine someone wanting to live in the middle of the woods. They'll never get famous, and they'll never get discovered, mm. they'll never get rich. And so it really is about the work and kind of the craft of acting. So it's a real, you know, unicorn you're looking for. So um, we start. I started to just, I just kind of, he let me kind of go out and help him formulate and find those people. So my mission was to find the people who um, who matched with our ethics and our aesthetic and our our audience and the and the the work that we do, the classical nature of the plays that we do. And uh, and it was the greatest um, adventure of my life. And I I was an actor myself, and I. I acted with a lot of these people and and started to really um, to make it about curating curating a group of humans. I think that that could could work together and create something and that were humble enough to do so. So yeah, it was a it was a brilliant time to um, to put together. It really coincided with our growth. It really coincided with our our work. You give artists home and give them you give really good artists homes. And you tell them that you trust them and you help them get great and you have an honest and open and committed relationship to to the work and, and, and great things can happen. It's a lot of uh, negotiating. It's a lot of making sure expectations match the realities. And um, it's a lot of honesty and hard conversations. And it's a lot of joy and a lot of a lot of um, trust and a lot of uh, great work that can come. So that's what we, we started. And now we have... And it's come. People. Some people have moved on and and um, and retired. Some people. We've added core company members since then, and we continue to look for. Just this year, we added our latest core company, Gavin Lawrence, who's the first African American to join our company, um, which is a huge commitment for someone to come and do this work here in the middle of Spring Green. Um, <clears throat> and I think that we are continuing to look for where we head inside of maintaining the great work that we do and expanding and growing the work that we do into places we don't we don't know so. mm, fantastic i wanted to ask you about something else in your biography uh when it lists kind of the things in which you have had a, a major hand in in creating or developing and one of them is something about the voice and text department at the American <laughs> Players Theater. I'm afraid I don't yeah. begin to understand what that even means. So what is the voice and text department? And do all theater companies have such a thing? No, no, not all theater companies to my dismay have such a thing. <laughs> um, no, we are, you know, it's, it's specific. Every every company has to do what they need to do to create their work. And, and ours is specific to the fact that we're doing dense verbal language plays that have arcane words and arcane structures and the rhythms and the musicality of those plays and the poetry of those plays are written with intent and purpose and, 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 and have great, great 
keys inside the structure of them that makes them understandable. When, you know, I think there's a great little clip out there. I think all these great actors from the RSC and the National Theater in New York and in London come out, and they're, they're I think it's the RSC, and they're doing a. Sorry, I'm bumbling around here, but they do to be or not to be, and I, you know, Cumberbatch comes out, and I think Judy Dench comes out, and Ian McKellen comes out, all the great, great, great English, old English, older English actors. And they say that line, and they say, to be or not to be, to be or not to be, to be or not to be. I mean, they, they emphasize in what we call, which is, you know, it's which word has the emphasis, and that's that phrase, what's the operative. And you, it will change the meaning of that line. Now, if you imagine that there's, you know, 9,000 lines you're speaking, or 9,000 lines in a play or whatever, and that every line has, or 18,000 lines in a play, that every line has uh, a chance to be made confusing or made clear in your intent. And if you don't have it, if you don't have a coach, I mean, I was watching this stuff about football last night, and I was like, oh, my God, there's seven coaches for that guy to throw that ball. Um, and I think to myself, if you don't have a coach sitting with you going, okay, so let's let's break this down when you when you hit this word or you hit this phrase or you don't repeat that that um that word in this rhetorical phrasing you, you don't respect that end stop you don't understand what that comma can do you really don't understand what's all on that page quite quite on purpose that you miss because you just don't see it so it's it's to have a coach with you um, helping you unlock the key, the kind of mystery of these pieces. Not to say this is the way you do it, but say there are clues in here to help you understand it yourself, let alone make someone else understand it. So they work very closely. They're in the rehearsal process. They take on, they coach one-on-one sessions. They're here the entire time the play is being put together. They work hand-in-hand with the director about because you can guide a play, uh, uh, any speech to to or from a certain intention. So you work with the director to find out what the story is. What's the story? That's the that's the question all day long here because you're saying things sometimes you're like, I don't even know what this means, let alone the story I'm trying to tell. So what's the story? And you really try to work with the director and the, and the coach together to be clear about the story the actor's trying to tell with those words. And then, and then you put it up on that hill in an outdoor amphitheater where now almost every place mics their actors. And we don't mic our actors. We like the, 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 nat- the natural voice. We think there's something quite essential to that in the connection of live theater. And so you have a, an actor that's not worked in a space that's 1,100 seats, and they need a lot of help with vocal production so they don't harm their instrument or or not be heard in the back of the house. So it's a lot of technical work they work on with those actors to give them all the all they need to go out there and be great. So, yeah, we have an entire team of those people, which we were at the graciousness of um, one of our very um, kind of visionary uh, uh, in our board membership, which is um, Robert Burkhauser, he said, what do you need? And I said, we need a chair of this. We need someone to fund this. We need to make this a priority, or I don't think these plays will stand a chance in a time and place where authenticity and, and um, you know, acting for the camera is very specific skill. We need to be able to get these actors to do this, which is something that's less and less likely they're, they're being trained to do. And he helped us start the department, and uh, it's now become just an, a natural part of our, our budget. But it's a very, very important piece of what we do and how we maintain the quality of the work that we do. Fantastic. Thank I you. think when people f- imagine this, and uh, and typically when one sees, for instance, a photograph of a performance in progress uh, at uh, American Players Theater in Spring Green, Wisconsin, uh, one sees a cloudless sky and everything beautiful, but of course, Mother Nature uh, 
has a wide repertoire of her own, and uh, <laughs> and and not every night is a lovely night in in in, right. in those respects. Can you just say a word about the challenge that Mother Nature poses uh, to a company like American Players Theater, and maybe even more specifically uh, to the actors on the stage, and for that matter, for the audience? Um, yeah, what what ha- what happens on nights when when uh, it is not idyllically serene, and uh, and and kind of the conditions of the evening might be a distraction uh, to people trying to watch a play or those trying to perform a play. It's a very good question. I, I think that that's also something I say. I'm looking for unicorns when I'm looking for actors. Is um, <laughs> I, I I watch these actors. I was an actor, right? And I I I. I I could not do what they do, could not do what they do. And um, they're warriors, and I, I say that with all the respect. Um, they, they are so committed to story that the, the bugs or the, or the wind or the cicadas or the rain or the snow that has happened on them, they literally, they literally do not stop. They do not blanch. They do not blink. They just play with the elements. They play with the frog on stage. They play with the, the bats that swoop down and uh, surround them sometimes in magical, magical moments. So the, so the upside of nature is that she will play along. The other night we were doing Macbeth and the sky 20 miles away was lit up with, um, lit up with, uh, while the witches were speaking with um, lightning, you know, that was gorgeous and, and, and scary. And, and at times, I, 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 you know, during Lear, I, there's been stories about, you know, the storm comes and the storm comes. I mean, there's, you know, that's where you go to, to theater to create, and then all of a sudden Mother Nature steps in and says, here, let me help you. Um, you know, it's a, that is a very large moment. I mean, people write us letters about that. They talk about that. That's the lore that it's a vague PT that can only happen here, right, or only happen in nature. And, and sometimes when she's playing along, it's fantastic, like the fog rolling in the other night, you know, during the, during the play. Um, it's exquisite, and the moon rising above. It, it, there's, nothing, there's nothing like it. There's no, there's no words to, to compare. Um, that's why we need poets. But, but when she wants to, you know, decides to, to not play along and have us play along with her, um, it's another story, and I think that we have a well first of all another thing people who are warriors are the stage managers that that run the shows from the booth who are on with along with someone who's on call every night we have a person on call every night to be on on weather so the stage manager is running the show but they also have screens up or on the phone with local and we have its direct line we um are on the line with meteorologists that are in our area and we are watching the weather continually for the safety and well-being of the company and the, the audience and i think the, the crazy part about it is that this is the crazy part. So, yes, it will rain on you. And the audience does bring, and all of a sudden there's a moment where everyone decides the rain's starting to get a little heavy. Because if it just drips on the, our very Packer-like theater fans, we call them the Packer theater, the theater <laughs> fans, the Packer theater fans, because they, they act like they're at a football game. They just come prepared. And they're staying, unless it gets completely impossible to hear or see the play. They are staying. And so our actors need to be prepared. It's kind of a dare and a challenge they put out there. And we don't 
quit stop the show unless it's dangerous or something, or we just simply can't hear see, see or hear because enough people in the audience have decided they can't see or hear. I mean, some of them would stay no matter what. Um, we love them for that, but uh, but they come and they all of a sudden every one moment during the show when the rain starts to get a little heavy, they'll put on their hoods or they'll put on their jackets and there's just a, a thousand people kind of a plastic sound and so we kind of pause talk a little slow on stage while they're doing that maybe repeat the line and go back at it but often we'll play through an entire you know half of a show in the rain and and i, I know that sounds like oh people are like oh my god why would you do that but i promise you the surprise of your life will be that it will be something that you feel like a kid you feel like i would never sit out there and watch it and then you will <laughs> and there's something about just letting yourself sit there and focus on that story that I, people all the time say, I can't believe we stayed and then we want to come back. That was amazing. That was, so it's, it's those little times when, when it's, you know, when we used to run around in the rain and we used to enjoy being, you know, in the elements. And, and I think, I think the people that come here are a bit of adventure. I know are a bit of adventurers <laughs> and I, and I, I'm always marvel. I marvel, I marvel at them that you know 800 people will stay um through it a lot of times the rain will come the other thing that we have a kind of a miracle about we do not know why and i wish someone we could study it is that the rain will be coming will be coming it will hit the river and it will dissipate and we won't get any rain hmm. it'll look like it's coming coming it will just break away or it will rain up until 7:30, and our play starts at eight o'clock and it will downpour all afternoon and then it will stop for, for the showtime or it will rain at closing Right on their heads while they're taking their um, their final bows. It's it's a very interesting. And we keep <laughs> track of all that stuff. We have every night we do a a rain show. We I mean, we do a a performance report, and we on there always discuss weather, the heat, the heat index, the humidity, the if it rained, if it didn't rain, um, and we've kept track of those things for I don't know as long as I've been here. Wow. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating way to look at the way a year went or not. You know. You know, hearing you hear, hearing you talk about this reminds me of something that I'd completely forgotten about. I teach uh, music at Carthage College over here, uh-huh. and uh, uh, some years ago, the theater department uh, had a one-act festival, and these little one-act plays uh, would be done all over campus in various venues, depending on the uh-huh. particular one-act over the course of a weekend. It was just great. I miss it a lot. And I still remember one uh, one-act play that involved two characters talking on a park bench, and that play was performed on a, what amounted to a park bench uh, oh. right along uh, Lake Michigan there. And during the course of oh. this one-act play, it began to rain. And, uh, <laughs> and we just all stood there as this uh, one-act continued, and it was just kind of incredible because one realized that these two characters who were supposed to be in a park conceivably could have been rained on. And uh, and yeah. given the intensity of what was going on between them, that is the two characters, they would probably scarcely have even noticed that it was raining. And we scarcely right. noticed that it was raining. And yeah. and, uh, and, and and in a sense, that's one of the, the wonders of, of, uh, of modern theater, that it has the power to transcend even some rain falling on top of you. Um, so right. thank you for reminding me about that that fun moment <laughs> in my own theater going past. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. I think that that's exactly right. I mean, you know, if, if it, it, it could be nice out and people won't want to watch something if it's not good. So it really does uh, require, requires 
that the work be good. I mean, I always say there's not a lot of great places to have a picnic. Why would you come here? You know, why would you come here? You could go anywhere to have a picnic because the work has to be great. And I, and I feel like not everything we do is perfect or great or we, you know, we succeeded in every way. But I would say that, I would say that we do very well. And 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 I think that um, that if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. I mean, there's just no there's no reason we would exist. It's an improbable fiction, this place. And as someone would say, and, it, and when it was created, and, and it's not. It's it's here, and it's been here for 40 years, and mm. clearly that requires some, well, the most dedicated audience I can imagine, and and artists and artisans, and I'm just such a, it's such a, it's, it's just such, we're so lucky. We're so mm. very lucky. Absolutely. So um, what remains for your current season? What are the plays that people are still able to see? Well, everything runs. I mean, once we open a play, it runs the entire season. That's right. We don't drop right. it out until we close. So, so here, um, so we opened those first five plays in um, June, and um, they were <clears throat> we opened Twelfth Night. She stoops Twelfth Night by Shakespeare. She stoops to conquer by Oliver Goldsmith. It's a very, very it's a hilarious 18th century um, British comedy. Then we have Macbeth, which I think is if you like that play or ever wanted to see that play, I think this is a, a, a gorgeous, thrilling poetic uh telling of that play um uh the man of destiny which is a little known which is indoors and th- those three are up the hill macbeth she stoops and 12th night and then man of destiny which is a george bernard shaw we have a lot a lot of fans who love um george bernard shaw's work um and we did this little known piece called the man of destiny which is a witty a witty little comedy about napoleon as a younger man before he becomes Napoleon, and um, it's very funny and, and very smart, as you would expect um, from George Bernard Shaw. And then a, a lovely Sunday for Criv Corps, which is a Tennessee Williams uh, story about like four women of a certain age uh, at a time in the mid 1930s, um, living together or trying to live together and create their um, friendships and their lives. You know, and it's a it's a beautiful telling of a story. It has wonderful actors in it, and the design is just exquisite. Um, those plays are all up and running as of right now, and, and you can see any number of those plays any given time. Um, this, and we run from Tuesday to Sunday, um, two shows on Saturdays and Sundays at sometimes, and sometimes we do matinees during the week. Um, and then we will open soon um, August Wilson's Fences, as I, I, I um, mentioned earlier, directed by Ron O.J. Parson, a wonderful director from Chicago who was up here last year and directed Blood Not For Us. It's one of the greatest American plays ever written, and it's our first August Wilson, and I hope the first of many here at APT. Um, it's a brilliant play about family, about regret, about dreaming, about failing, about, I don't know, it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous play. I hope everyone comes out to see it. And then we do the last show up the hill is The Book of Will by Lauren Gunderson, um, first play we've ever done by her, and it's about Shakespeare's about Shakespeare and the, and the company of men and women around his community, around him, uh, uh, his plays. Uh, it's a beautiful piece. It feels like it was written for APT. It's very funny. It's very moving. It's about a, a community of actors. It, 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 it really does. Every time we, re- we, when we read it, we were like, oh, my God, it was like it was written for our company of people who spent their lives doing Shakespeare and wonder what that means and why they're doing it. And it's about a company of actors. So it's a beautiful play for us and our audience will thoroughly enjoy that. Um, and then inside we opened Doll's House by um, Ibsen. And um, and that those three plays all open in the next few weeks, next three weeks. And then um, the shoulder season, which is October and November, we have Doll's House Part 2, which is um, 
Lucas Nath's um, response to Dow's House after after Nora's big decision at the end of the play, what happens next? It's a contemporary kind of um, uh, a take on on what 15 years later means to Nora and her family. So um, it's a very funny play, but it's a very provocative play. I really enjoy that piece. So that's our season. Marvelous. If people want more information about anything that we have talked about or uh, information on how to secure tickets, what's the best thing for them to do? Oh, please. Our, our website is AmericanPlayers.org, or you can call our box office at 608-588-2361. That's um, 608-588-2361, and it's AmericanPlayers.org. I think our website's really um, user-friendly, and but if you have any questions, please, please, please call us. And right now we have a wonderful art installation. There's seven um, pieces of art installed around the APT grounds right now, and they're beautiful. They were designed for our 40th anniversary. And if you haven't been out this season and haven't made it out, it's a great time. They'll be there for the next the next few weeks, and then they'll be gone. So it, we just installed them um, this last weekend. So if um, people are interested in that, that's, it's a beautiful walk around the property to see those pieces of art. So. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, I hope when I get over there, I will have the chance to meet you in person. But in the meantime, it's been great to meet you over the phone. Brenda DeVita, the Artistic Director of the American Players Theater. Very best wishes and happy anniversary to you and everybody associated with American Players Theater. Thank you so much. It's been my great pleasure always. And thank you for what you do teaching music. I love that you're a music teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Take care.